Welcome to episode 189 of the McSauce Comic Book Podcast. My name is Paul McGinty. With me, as always, are Ian Sharpley. Hello. And Matt Cassell. Hey, how's it going? Matt, thanks for matching my excitement tonight. Ian, fuck you. It is Monday night, April 3rd, and tonight we're going to talk Joss Whedon being named as the theatrical Batgirl director. We're going to talk... Xbox's new uh, digital comic feature and Marvel reinstating their digital code. Um, I it, can't think of uh, the, 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 the digital code period. And we're going to mm-hmm. talk about the Stephen King's It trailer that premiered last week. But before we get into those hearty meat and potatoes of the episode, we like to do a little appetizer with Ian Sharpley called Housekeeping little taste just or it's it's more like the menu so you know where to go for your mcsauce items if you go to mcsauce.com you, you don't think housekeeping's a tasty treat i think it's a it's a road map to where you can find all the mcsauce-ness on the web and then we get to so like what we're gonna talk well like weed and backgirl that's like that's like that mats, would be the that's like mat sticks Matt, as our friends from upstate New York, uh, Wayne, not Jody, would say, Matt sticks. Jody has. Jody speaks the king's English. (laughs) Yeah, if you uh, go to mixos.com, mixas.com, you can find the strips, the web comics, the podcast. We have uh, comic book reviews. Paul labors over those on Mondays. Um, If you go to the Facebook page, you can. Go back and forth with us on some of the different things that we post there. We don't just post updates to our website. We post comic book related news on that uh, stream as well. So go to the McSauce Facebook page. If you go to Instagram, we also put some behind the scenes type of sketches and different kinds of things from the webcomic on the Instagram page. And we also uh, have been putting up, uh, last week we put up a video on YouTube. So if you go to YouTube and type in McSauce, it's the only thing that's going to come up. So M-C-S-O-S-S. And you can find our Power Rangers review. Uh, This week we'll be putting up a review of Walking Dead Season 7. It's pretty much, it was sort of meant to be the season finale of Season 7. But since I watched the entirety of that season in three days. It's sort of a wrap-up of everything that happened That's in season seven. pretty much psycho shit right there. Oh, it was insane. From Friday till this morning, I was just Good Lord. walking dead it out. I only watched the first episode of the, the like, on time, whenever <coughs> it came out, and then I just saved the rest of them because I sort of turned off by the first episode. Mm-hmm. Um, but, <sighs> yeah, I... I piled it all in in three, three short days. So, go to the YouTube page and check out that video. And uh, that's your that's your uh, that's your menu, folks. That's where you get all all the all the goodies. So tonight, uh, well, last week we got some news. Um, last week we did the Justice League trailer two episode. We did. Um, we had some mixed reviews <laughs> on what DC is doing with their uh, their movie property. Um, I'm not a fan. 
Uh, I feel like that's I had, putting it lightly. Yeah, I, I, man, did I feel really good after that episode? I feel like I had such a weight lifted off my shoulders. Um, like stuff I was just carrying around, just just waiting for waiting for hope, waiting for the light to break, and finally realizing that we are going to be in darkness forever was really cathartic for me. Uh, you guys had a brighter, a uh, little more optimism about DC's cinematic future. And, um, it's weird that it had a cathartic effect on you because you trash it pretty much all the time. Because Yeah, because I, I feel like being a DC fan, I need to be DC fan. Yeah, nothing last week was new for you, though. Not lately, at least. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, but I... You might have said the F word a couple more times than usual. But not really. <laughs> I, I feel like I was still in I was still in defense mode and even mid podcast when I mentioned, you know, Larry Ganny hammered that Justice League trailer on Twitter and I was offended. I was mad that but someone you, else would take up arms against my beloved DC. But then after after we had this podcast, I was I was freed and I'm like, yeah, fuck those guys. Let's fucking <clears throat> raise the ground Warner Brothers Studios are built upon let's burn it all down and start over and like just being able to unleash fury on dc after all these years of like uh, of, of of cinematic you know just ineptitude i feel good i feel good letting that all out there i feel good giving uh giving my polynomics as low numbers it felt great but then uh, shortly after that, we get news that Joss Whedon, a a king of nerd properties, has been tapped to direct a Batgirl solo film. What do you guys think? Like, is it? I I I'm, I, I think it's too late. I'm like, why fucking bother at this point? I, I want to back. You're sucking. You're sucking a good fun director down into the fucking mire with you, like. He like he just he just fucking lassoed his own horse to a fucking dying town. <laughs> like what are you? Come on, Joss Whedon. He lassoed his horse to a dying town. <laughs> is is that a thing? Do people say that? Uh, that makes no sense whatsoever. Can we backtrack for a second? Because can we? Um, you, Paul. <laughs> Everybody knows lassoed his horse to a dying town. <laughs> we don't because we live in the Northeast. But you know, Southwest, like if if this podcast happened defend. in if you're this a, podcast happened in Texas, people would be like, "Fuck yeah, son!" You're a completely or, what would they call me, cowboy? I don't know. Fuck yeah, cowboy. Pod, the podcast can make it to the Southwest. By the way, it is 2017. But and those listeners are like, "Hell yeah, cowboy partner." Yeah. Do they still say partner? Yes, they say partner. I think it's Podna. I think they're they not say, from Boston. They don't say Podna. They say partner, little partner, little doggy. Do they say little doggy? Don't you watch Preacher, Matt? No. They don't say partner and Podna. They don't say Podna and Preacher. They say partner. Preacher. Do you watch Preacher? <laughs> Isn't I it over? Slap the taste out of your mouth. Is watch it Preacher by way of the departed? Yeah, I but, feel. but the way yeah, you're the saying pre- this. Preacher 2 is coming out this June, this summer. Oh, yeah, kid. This summer, Preacher 2. Oh, they are coming out with another In the season. summer. Yeah. You have supper, then you watch Preacher. <laughs> anyway, can I backtrack real quick? 
Please brief, do. Real briefly. Um, the way that you are upset that somebody else is being critical of your precious commodity is sort of it's sort of the way that people are like oh well this is my band and it was my band before it hit the mainstream and you can't like this band but you are the inverse you're like this was my property before it hit the mainstream you can't shit on it only i shit on the things that i hate yeah and it's I, weird i mentioned that last week and i agree like yeah and and that, that that's the that's that's part of this catharsis, is that before we recorded last week, Larry said that, and I was mad. I was like, don't you dare talk bad on DC characters. But then all of a sudden... Like, Only I, I just, bleed my own blood. Right, but then like during during this recording, I, I was able to open up, and now, yeah, yeah, let's, let's rip it. Let's rip it, because it deserves to be ripped. It's funny that you keep this, like, this is a deep, dark secret that I hold that I fucking hate the Warner Brothers DC properties. Like, We've everybody been doing fucking this knows. podcast for, like, four years. Yeah, that's but all you do is shit on them. Wait, but wait. everyone but I'm, everyone knows I'm the DC guy. I'm wait. a DC fan. Okay, okay. I carry that okay. blue and white okay. banner. You do. That's standard. You ble- you bleed blue and white. How many years have we been doing this podcast? Four years. Four years, Ian. Four years, kid. Four, Four years, years as of as of when? March ninth. <laughs> Let's stop with the Boston accents. March ninth, twenty thirteen. March twenty thirteen. March ninth, twenty thirteen. Wow, Paul, that's over four years of podcasting coming at you every week for four years, Matt. You know what we don't do here? Suck our own... We don't suck our own dicks. We don't suck our own cocks. Okay, I just wanted to point that out to you because I didn't think you knew it. And uh, I think it's kind of a milestone, but go ahead. Yeah, it's... Yeah, we, like we've been... I mean, every so often, like, I'll, I'll, I'll look at the the episode number or, like, the date stuff came out or, like, someone will bring something up and I'm like, holy fuck, I can't believe we've been doing this for that, for that long. But, yeah. Like, um, I would like to think we hit the ground running... We hit a groove. I would also like to think that we've improved since then. Wait, we, did we hit the ground running or did we improve? I would like to think both. I that feel we, like this that is we a... Had, that we had an exemplary product and we only made tweaks to, to I feel like prove it. that uh, lassoing your horse <laughs> to a dying town and what you just fucking said there is proof positive that we sucked then and we suck now. We definitely right. suck that is, now. That is classic McSauce. <laughs> so anyway, let's let's get on the Josh so jo- Whedon Josh Whedon. directorial debut. Um, we talked a little bit last week about how Wonder Woman is, is set so far off this current timeline of, of the DCU that it has a chance to stand on its own, be its own movie, be successful. Uh, is that? Do you guys think that's something that they'll be able to do with Batgirl? Maybe tell like a Batgirl year one, have Ben Affleck have a couple you know, like young Robert Downey Jr. cameos in there and focus on Batgirl? Or is this going to be, or are we just throwing Batgirl into the darkest stages of this DC universe when the Joker is running the town and he's killed Jason Todd and there can be no more heroes. Everyone has to be murderers. Is that what we're... Because, I mean, that's the DC universe. The murder league. The murder league. What do we think? Matt, 
you're like rolling your you're rolling your eyes so hard your head's moving I, all over your shoulders. Can I say let's not tell the audience how hard we're rolling our eyes. I hate that. Don't don't tell them. It's a way that you can respond that the audience doesn't have to hear. And you're being polite. Oh, oh, so you like keeping secrets from the audience. <laughs> you're just being polite and letting the other dope finish their sentence. Wait, that was me. I was the dope. Whatever you whatever you guys want. Whatever you guys want to talk, you want to roll your eyes, you want to you want to let the audience in on the joke, whatever you guys want. I mean, I'm I'm here for the audience. Audience, I'm rolling my eyes. Matt, go ahead and So what what am I am I supposed to answer a question? I don't remember. Uh, do you think it yeah, like do you think it matters that DC's tap Joss Whedon, who is, you know, king amongst kings in the, you know, genre realm to direct a Batgirl movie. Who cares? I mean, didn't <laughs> didn't we all see his last movie? Mm, I don't think that's fair. Mm, we did see it. Mm, it was terrible. We did see it, but that's a much different circumstance. Why is it a different circumstance? Because... Joss Whedon had no real control over what was happening in the overall story of that movie. It was also an ensemble movie, mm-hmm. which I guess is a terrible argument because he's good at that stuff. Do, well, also, but do you think that he makes bad movies or bad things in general, or do you think that The Age of Ultron was an outlier? Uh, I really enjoyed the first Avengers movie. I never really enjoyed Buffy. And I think this is the Batgirl movie is going to be a lot more like Buffy than it was the two Avengers movies. Um, I liked some of the comics that he wrote, particularly the Astonishing X-Men, even though I think the further on it went and the more he got into the characters, the more it started to fall apart. Um, I disagree. I thought it was a solid run all the way through. Yeah, I'm not a fan of making characters kind of unlikable that I liked at one time. I don't think that makes for an interesting read. It makes for a disappointing read. I agree with that, but could you elaborate? Cyclops in particular. The why are you shaking your head? Oh, sorry. I didn't mean to to I was give letting away the visual cue. I mean I was I was trying to I was letting you I do disagree, but I was letting you say what you were saying. I, I was just gonna say <clears throat> Cyclops uh, when they started exploring like his infidelity and like the way that he was kind of going off with um, Emma Frost w- was kind of a disappointment because at least up to that point, one of the strongest and most iconic superhero couples was Cyclops and Jean Grey. So I'm not usually a fan of that, especially when you have a character that's pretty likable. At least he was up until around that time. Now he's one of the more despicable Marvel characters. Uh, Cyclops was a really likable character, and and we and like that's why we felt so slighted. And X two when he was like barely in it, and then he got completely like written out of the whole thing early in in X Men three. It was it was disappointing because we liked Cyclops, right? Um, but in this, they they explored an aspect of the character that felt more suitable for the show six feet under, which again was a a show where I liked the characters and then they basically wrote them into corners where they became completely unlikable people. But go ahead, Ian. Um, I don't think that that was the moment whenever 
Scott Summers made his turn to be the most hated element of the X-Men that has ever existed. I think that that was more close to like, that was after all of the astonishing X-Men stuff, the infidelity that you're talking about. I don't think happened in the astonishing run, but at that time, Jean Grey was dead. He was with Emma Frost and they were working some things out, but I don't think at that time it was really infidelity. Um, you know, you might be right, but I, I, that was I Grant Morrison stuff that you're thinking of, and I get what you're saying, but I think that they course corrected a little bit. Okay, with um, at the end of the Grant Morrison run, when once they killed Jean Grey off for good for the next you know two or three years or however long she was dead for. So she was already dead in Astonishing. She was she was dead by the time Astonishing rolled around. She didn't make any appearances in Astonishing. Cyclops did have some emotional weight that he was wrestling with at that point, but the main thrust of that relationship was not, oh, I'm, I was cheating on Jean Grey, blah, blah, blah. Like He was with Emma Frost, and they were making that thing happen at that point. Uh, I thought that Scott Summers actually was made into a more likable character, a more worthy leader in that series, because towards the end, they uh, depower Cyclops, and you get to see him function. The, the attributes of Cyclops that are leader qualities were brought to the forefront when he was powerless. And I thought that was the most effective storytelling that I've ever seen of Scott Summers in any X-Men comic. So, um, well, I I appreciate your take on that. I have to disagree with that, with Joss Whedon creating that narrative that Scott Summers is like a despicable bum, which he is now, well, but he I, wasn't responsible for that. I guess I kind of, I didn't read the Grant Morrison run, the, uh, the black leather uh, new X-Men run. With uh, the the most hideous of X Men characters, <laughs> thanks uh, Frank Quitely, but I remember reading Astonishing and thinking, "Wow, Cyclops is a dick." And so, I mean, maybe maybe the initial infidelity didn't go down, but I they obviously touched on it in Astonishing enough for me to know he was pretty sleazy. So, yeah, I mean, I I don't know when. When your wife dies a lot on you, is it cheating? Like, she's constantly dying and being reborn as a god. Is that cheating? I mean, I don't know. I feel like Cyclops gets a pass. And then, he, and then he goes on and he dates. Like, he goes from one telepath to the next telepath. That, that's a minefield of dating. Like, why is he doing that? But don't you think, like, he's the most adept at navigating that minefield? Because he dated... Like Jean Grey for the longest time, who was like the most powerful telepath in the X Men universe. So, like maybe it's his thing, but maybe that's where he feels comfortable because he knows that like he's Cyclops is the good guy. For years, he's been portrayed as the good guy. He's been the Boy Scout of the X Men. He knows he's got nothing to hide. So maybe that's the way he's challenged being paired against someone that can read his thoughts and see what he's up to because he knows I'm not up to anything. Yeah, and and I think that Cyclops's reputation has been dragged through the mud for the past probably five to six years so aggressively now that it's hard to remember the character that I always, he was always one of my favorite X-Men back in the 90s and all through that astonishing run. Um, it's it. 
I forget who wrote all the um gee, what was it? The X Men vs. Avengers? Is that the whenever probably Brian Michael Bendis. Yeah. Who made um Scott Summers lost control of his yeah. powers, changed his uniform, yep. was turned into a Phoenix Force person, and then killed Professor X and led a like militant mutant group, which I I feel like isn't in Scott's wheelhouse. I feel like he is the ultimate banner holder of yep. Professor X's <clears throat> dream and his legacy, and that just doesn't fall anywhere in the bounds it's of what like Scott Summers is. If Leonardo of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles suddenly started doing some things that were majorly out of character, he'd be like, wait, what, what's going on with this? This isn't what I signed up for. Leonardo kills Splinter <clears throat> right. and then leads the Foot Clan. Right. So we're totally off topic here, but <laughs> I think so, that it points to Joss Whedon ha- has um, great comic book roots, has done a lot of things that we've read and some things that we like. Yeah, I feel like most people that are that are in the, you know, already kind of tied to the comic book world, fans and everything, are probably excited about this because they Joss Whedon is still kind of, I think, um, in the good graces of most fans in spite of the fact that the Avengers 2 was not very good. Well, I, I think it helped in his case that he came out in social media and said, hey, a lot of that stuff that you guys didn't like, I didn't have anything to do with that. I wanted to do A, B, and C, and the studio said do D, E, and F. So, like, I think he he kind of saved his own ass a little bit, being honest about things. Well, I mean, there have been other creators that have come out and said similar things that we've gone on to crush pretty heartily. Yeah, like uh, like our good friend... Um, the Trankster. Josh Trank, who said, eh, you know, everything that you didn't like in, in Fantastic Four wasn't my fault. That was the studio. But we still hold him accountable. Do we? Uh, yeah, I do. do you, are you letting him off the hook? Yeah, because everything that he came out and said was lined up with it lined up with what I saw in the movie was that what he wanted to do was everything he wanted until the second half and then it was a mess and when the second half fell apart like and yeah but dude we heard the stories before the movie came out of like all the the obnoxious nonsense he was doing like on set he was showing up hungover I'm uh, not saying he's not an asshole but oh okay but i'm i mean it seems like all of his antics probably played a part in the fact that that was not a good movie you think it was just the fact that the studio meddled like it, it, i mean at some point he has to assume a large chunk of that responsibility as the fucking director of that movie but hey you can blame 20th century fox if that's if that's what you'd like to do I do think that at least some of the shine in the gloss is off of Joss Whedon. Coming off of Avengers, I think we all were like, oh, he should direct fucking everything because Avengers had such an right. impact on he everyone. Was a, he was a name that they threw around for Star Wars? I think he still would do a good job with a small Star Wars story as well. Um, 
I think that the fact that he was able to lasso all those properties mm-hmm. and tie them together, it's clearly a hard thing to do. So um, I think since he's proven that he can do that, I think his forte is more of a, you know, while it's ensemble, it's more of an individual story with some other pieces around it. Like Bu- Buffy. Yeah, Buffy is, um, Dollhouse also was something that I really enjoyed uh, with Elijah Dushku in it. And it was sort of Elijah? like a- Elijah? Elijah Dushku? Eliza Eliza? Come on, Is sharply. it Dushku or is it Dushku? Dushku. Dushku? Yeah. Her name is Dushku? Yeah. Well, it's not Dushku, it's Dushku. You said Dushku, not Dushku. But semantics. Let's split those fucking hairs. Anyway, Dollhouse was a really good property that he was in charge of that mm-hmm. I think is probably going to be in line with the Batgirl movie that mm-hmm. he wants to make. I don't I don't like hate Joss Whedon. I just think he's overrated, like many people are these days that are in comics, but I think he's a little too cute with his writing. I think he lets every character be a little too clever. He actually has the the Kevin Smith syndrome where every character is a little too sharp with their with their wit and their banter, where it, to me it feels unnatural and it feels like, oh, that's Joss Whedon writing for every character. The words don't become the characters. They're Joss Whedon's, and that's a problem that I have with a lot of comic book writers, particularly Kevin Smith and Brian Michael Bendis. Although there's something endearing about when Kevin Smith does it. I don't know. But uh, well, because, Kev- <clears throat> because Kevin Smith always does it with his own properties. Yeah. Like we've never seen Kevin Smith, you know, Supergirl's never sounded like Randall. Like does he he's write, never done does he write with- Supergirl? No, he directed he's, Supergirl. He's directed. Oh, I'm talking about from a writing perspective. Or- um, like, like when you no, read there, yeah, the, Guardian yeah, there's, Devil, there's times, well, I feel like Guardian Devil was still so early in his comic book writing career that he played it really safe. I'm sure there's a couple lines in there that you can be like, hmm. It was, it was, if like you Kevin remember. The- but we're, we're also so familiar with, I, I like how you look aggravated, like I just interrupted you interrupting me. <laughs> Go ahead. There's a couple lines in there that we can look at being so familiar with his work and being like, oh, that's definitely a Kevin Smith line. But even through his um, Green Arrow, his couple Green Arrow trades, I feel like they're very, very, um, you know, they, they really honor Green Arrow. By the time you get to, um, like, Batman Cacophony, then you get some <laughs> Kevin Smith stuff seeping in a little bit. The In the Guardian Devil, the final, the epilogue issue the one that guest starred Spider-Man, that was just dripping with Kevin Smithism because it was so wordy and it was just like, it was unavoidable because it was a completely talky episode or issue rather. Do we think, and we were, we kind of touched on this uh, personally before that podcast that we had, but do we think that since we're in this era that we follow all these creators on Twitter, we see, Lots of video interviews. We listen to podcasts with them. We watch TV programs with these creators. So we we know how they talk, what their political views are. We kind of, we can hear their voice more in their work now than we used to whenever we were, we were kids. Or uh, I'm, 
I would say probably not no. overall. I think there's a handful for me at least that maybe I will follow. Um, Eric Larson, Kurt Busick, those guys, I know what their political views are and it comes through in some of their writing. Like Eric Larson's, yes. Kurt Busick's, I don't get that. Um, so, no, not really, because I, yeah. I really don't know what the voice of most of these creators are outside hmm. of uh, the comic books that they create. Yeah, I listen to, I mean, I listen to podcasts and interviews and like I'm soaked in all this shit. So, I, I mean, especially Kevin Smith is probably the biggest, I wouldn't say offender, but example of this because I've listened to hundreds of hours of this dude talk. I'm sure he writes pretty, like, not only am I sure, I know he writes the same way that he talks. So, you can see that just jumping off the page or out of the screen whenever you see his films. Yeah, like I I don't know. I, I feel like <clears throat> I feel like Joss Whedon hasn't really done anything since Avengers 2. So, he's in a position to be able to come in to Batgirl and look at this as a way of helping write the DC ship and helping put himself back on the map for a lackluster Avengers. If that's show. the case, though, why would they give him Batgirl to do that? Don't you that's feel like a more substantial character would be the way to write the DC DC's, ship? DC's been after him since they started making. Well, they then wanted put him, him for, on Batman. They or, wanted him for Wonder Woman for a long he doesn't, time. He doesn't want to do that stuff. Didn't he write a treatment for he wrote the Wonder a Woman film? for Wonder Woman. They didn't like it. Yeah. But Joss Whedon is known for writing strong female characters. He has a type. He has a story that he wants to go for. They were DC was probably like, what do you want to do? Like, let, let's do it. And he was like, Batgirl. And then they had a meeting and they put it together. But it feels very natural that Joss Whedon would want to do a it, female character. It does. Uh, it feels like it should be a TV episode uh, more than a feature film, uh, honestly. Well, like, if you're going to take strong female character into... Like, that's what he was going to do, right? Because that's what he's best at. Right. That's his fastball. Right. Who, besides Wonder Woman, who would be the next at DC? one in... Yeah, at DC. Catwoman? Who, um, I mean, maybe, maybe. But, but like, is, I feel like... Catwoman also... She's already delegated to being in um gotham sirens maybe that's what he should do um I don't know. yeah i i don't know i feel like that girl is within reason of I, being next up on maybe Batgirl. i'm a little bit uh not excited about this because the batgirl character isn't very interesting to me because she was and then DC decided, ah, we don't want her to be interesting anymore. We just want her to be yet another one of like the thousand Bat family members that don't feel different from one one another in a lot of ways. You know, it's they're all like kind of underpowered, under cunning versions of Batman. Like they're they're kind of the more imperfect versions of him in terms of like being a crime fighter and a detective. They're Batman without they, the OCD element. Right, but they've all got like more humanity. And, you know, between between Nightwing and Robin and Robin and Robin again and Huntress and Azrael and... Um, Duke, don't forget Duke. Duke, that's right. And, I mean, the, the list goes on and on. And... 
That's not Batgirl, a Joss Whedon problem. That's a DC problem. I know, but what I'm saying is like, I, right, I'm moving on beyond Joss Whedon being an issue that I have with this as much like I'm I'm also the fact that it's a Batgirl movie, I'm not excited because look, unless they do the the killing joke which we know they're not going to do. And we've already seen what DC does with the killing joke in that animated movie, which, what the hell? Um, weird. Very weird. Right. Batman doesn't fuck his uh, protégés. Right. Um, like, why not just have him fuck Robin? I mean, why not, right? Why not? Robin's been begging for it. Those short shorts. Yeah, and those those uh, flesh-colored stockings. So sexy. I liked... Batgirl so much more when she was Oracle and she was fighting crime and doing like fighting the good fight with like a major disability so much more interesting but that was also built in to the character of who she previously was right which is why they should do the killing joke so that way you could build that in maybe this is you know Batgirl movie number one, maybe where you build in that history, maybe, and, and I then, hope so. Because like, so. yeah, she was great as Oracle, and like I, th- I appreciate her as Oracle. I kind of wish she was still Oracle, right? But a lot of that is reading DC comics for so many years, seeing her as Batgirl, understanding her, you know, like learning who, like learning who Bruce was and becoming Batgirl and hiding it from her dad. When and did, like I'm sorry. then getting her spine shattered and rebuilding herself to being just as more, if not a more vital part of right. the DC hero universe. When did the killing joke come out, Ian? Oh boy. Um, I'm going to guess 80s, 80, right? 89. Right. So the point is maybe 89. It know. happened once I got into comics. Like by the time I got into comics, she was already wheelchair bound. So, like everyone knows of Batgirl and you know, you know what the costume is, whether it's from the 60s show or other properties or whatever. But within the context of the comics, she was wheelchair bound. So that's the way I already knew her and I liked it just fine. So then when they undid that. Well, also because in the animated series, she was Batgirl with the red hair, Barbara Gordon. That's right. That's right. They didn't get there yet. So actually they never did. They They never, never, they never went that way, but um, the killing joke was March 88th. But when they when they undid her disability with the new 52 in such a dismissive way, like it it just didn't make sense. It was so weird. I I hated that and that has completely colored my opinion of the character. Like to me it's like, well, okay, clearly there's no consequence whatsoever for this character. I and I think look, I realize it's comics and anything can happen, especially like any kind of permanent death or disability. But it happened for so long, you would think that this one is permanent, right? Like of course Gwen Stacy is back or something, right? Spider Gwen. Well, here's the thing. It, well, gonna, it worked. If if you're gonna bring somebody back you have to do it in a effective way that actually makes sense in the world. A la Winter Soldier and Bucky. He was dead for 50 some years mm-hmm. and they brought him back in a way that was a smart, logical, you know, organic way to the yeah. Captain America comic books. Yeah. Ian, are you excited about this movie? Um, no, I'd, I'd say not really. Is it because your opinion of the DC movies is colored? 
Oh, that was not a good term. That's okay. Nobody at home knows what color I am. So, <laughs> uh, you would never call a colored guy colored. Or as <laughs> we were watching The Office. The Office. Anyway. Um, no, I, I don't. I'm not super excited about this just because I'm not a big Batgirl fan. So I don't have a lot of. I don't feel like I have a lot of, um, you know, uh, interest in this game. I think that by the time that we get maybe some casting, maybe some set photos, that'll be cool. Mm-hmm. Joss Whedon, I do have a lot of faith in as a director now ian from what i understand though like set photos don't do a whole lot for you official set photos just not not those non-official set photos that was official that was lucasfilm official we're referring to the han solo movie the great debacle photo and ian seemed to kind of almost dislike it to the point of agitation the one time that I was agitated on this podcast. The, the one and only. The one and only time. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I think that there has to be a little bit more meat on the movie for me to be swayed one way or the other. I, yeah, I I would have to agree. Once we kind of get a little closer and start seeing things, maybe we'll start to feel a little bit differently and, and the excitement will start to build the hype and all that. But just the announcement, uh, it, it just... I don't know. I like. I think the main reason beyond Joss Whedon is the fact that I'm just not down with the Batgirl character. But if they go like the route that Paul was talking about, year one, and kind of build toward that, her actually losing her ability to walk uh, at the hands of the Joker, then, okay, I'm probably going to be in. I think that'll be pretty exciting. That that definitely would be an interesting way for them to go. Now shifting gears, uh, the we have a few other topics to get to, and sharply we're already thirty eight minutes into this podcast. Um, thirty eight minutes, yeah, Paul, dude, we have we have uh, digital comics to talk about, and we have the It movie trailer I feel to like talk we've about. Been talking Batgirl for two hours. Well, it's been 38 minutes. Insanity. Paul, what would you like to tackle next? Digital comics or the It trailer? Digital comics. Good. That's where I was hoping you'd go. Ian, have you heard that Marvel recently, back in February, said, we are not going to give you a free copy of the comic book that you're buying, the print version? We're we're no longer giving you a digital code. Now we're going to give you three pre-selected digital comics per issue and it was going to basically cycle um, out like every month. The answer to that question is yes. You heard about that. That happened back in February. (laughs) And a lot of people were like, but I want Guardians, not Devil Dinosaur. Exactly. So people were not very happy with these pre-selected comics and, and the fans reacted and they said, Marvel, please give us our digital versions back. And Marvel listened. Now, I have a theory on that. That not only did the fans probably take to social media and, you know, have their voices heard, or would it be have their their fingers heard because they're typing? I Um, can hear you just fucking fine. Your finger voices? (laughs) Finger voices? Ian, are your finger voices hearing okay? Well, that would be my finger ears. My finger voices <laughs> or, no, they're are see- speaking. They're not even they're speaking hearing. Well. They're not hearing the fans. They're, they're seeing the fans. They're seeing the words of the fans. 
Yes. Anyway, this is not a visual medium, Paul. This is a an auditory <laughs> uh, enterprise. So let's continue. So what Marvel did was they decided they were going to backtrack, much like they typically do, and they were going... I like that timeout. <laughs> I like that Marvel's doing something positive for us, the fans, and we're still going to fucking slam them. Well, because <laughs> because they did negative for the fans before yeah, they, they, they didn't do right came back the around fans. and were like, I feel hey, like writing we a fucked wrong this up, now we're going to do it right. Writing a wrong deserves partial credit, and we're just like going to fucking kick them in the dick oh, with I'm, our you know finger what? voices. I forgot after this last Justice League trailer, I'm Team Marvel now. So yeah, I mean Ian. Fuck yeah, Marvel. No, 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 Let's no. no. I'm just team. Like a company made a mistake, and they're now going back and correcting their mistake. Yeah, but Ian, this was a, a mistake that was made like three months ago. Not even. <laughs> yeah, but right? well, hold on. But and it was made for purely reasons of greed, and they weren't doing right. right by the fans. You're right. So yes, they have righted something that that people reacted to negatively that they did right yeah they deserve some amount of credit but more than anything they deserve um criticism for doing it in the first place like let's not forget and this isn't something that that happened like forever ago and this is a whole new regime that's changing things you know this is like oh guys yeah we were trying to pull fast one on you 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 caught us red-handed. We have to go back. And here's another thing that probably has something to do with the fact that they did backtrack, Ian. I bet you sales went down. I bet you they started selling less comics because I'll tell you why. This announcement came two months, enough time to start to look at the numbers and see that, oh, huh, we're not selling as many as we thought we would. That's right. Well... To that point, Matt, sales have been going down steadily since October, um, according to another article on comic book resources. Um, they mentioned that they recently had a big summit with comic book retailers. One of the issues prob that was brought up probably had to do with this digital code stuff. Another issue that was brought up was the um, it's framed around the diversity of the characters, but I... I honestly feel that what longtime comic book fans are sort of bucking against and not really latching on to is the fact that Marvel's just putting out all these new number ones. They're also getting rid of all of the, the classic characters. It's not that there are more diverse characters. There's a more um, there, there are different characters that you can choose from. They're sweeping away the characters that you like and replacing them with imposters, in my opinion. And the fact that you can no longer choose, say, an Iron Man book featuring Tony Stark, uh, is that right? Like, you can't get Iron Man anymore. You get Iron Heart, right? Iron, yeah, right. Um, it's so, still called the Invincible Iron Man, but it's featuring Iron Heart. Right. And they're doing. And Which to me sounds like a Care Bear, but I'm just it, saying. It does. Or a Silverhawk. <laughs> which would be cool. Fuck yeah. But they're doing a lot of that where they're just replacing characters and taking away all the characters that are known and loved. Mm -hmm. um, that like It's not such a reaction to what the characters are. It's that you unceremoniously took away everything that we really liked and replaced it with 
new stuff and told us to like it. Right. Um, so that's why sales have been declining since October. Right. I feel it's like just another another reason for sales to decline. Right. 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 And and so this is maybe a good faith gesture to the fans to say, hey, you have uh, spoken out and said that you wanted to have the thing, the perks that you had in the past restored. Uh, the director of marketing said, we heard the message loud and clear on the digital same issues code. And we heard folks across the world were using them, relying on them and loving them. And they they restored them. Right. So yes, it was shitty that they took them away in the first place. But I think that they do deserve partial credit. Um, how many times do companies just take things away, take, 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 and they never correct the things that they have done wrong by their consumers? Uh, I don't know. I mean... A lot is the answer. Okay, well, th this reminds me, Paul, I know that you're going to check out on this, but this is a really good analogy. Back in... <clears throat> when did they announce, like, Xbox One? This is a good segue, too, by the way. <sighs> when did they announce Xbox um, One? I can't like remember. 2013, maybe, they announced it? Sure. <clears throat> and uh, I, maybe let's say the system came out at the end of that year. Well... Let's say they announced it at the beginning of the year. When they made the announcement, they basically said, hey, you guys are not going to be able to play used games on this system anymore without paying for some kind of retarded like download code or or something like not a download code but like a like a purchase and access key. Mm -hmm. So you'd have to pay like an extra $10. So there was no it was it was an effort to limit piracy, but at the same time, it was really hurting a major um, area of of the video game market, which is used game sales. Mm -hmm. And I know that they're not good for like Microsoft or anything, but they're they're great for consumers. People love buying games on the cheap because games, more than any other form of entertainment, seem to have like the shortest of shelf lives. Um, <clears throat> so it makes sense to be able to get them for cheaper used. So Microsoft announced they're not going to do this. Fan outcry was outrageous. They said, no way. We are not going to support your next system. There's a competitor that is not going to limit our used games in PlayStation. So everybody jumped ship. Within a month... Microsoft reversed their decision months before the or before the system even came out. They reversed their decision. You could totally play used games on it, same as PlayStation. The damage had been done, and there was it was already too late. I feel like Marvel is in the same boat. They saw the writing on the wall. Their competitor just said, oh, guess what? We're going to give you digital versions of the comics that you buy. And their backs are up against the wall. I don't think this was a good faith gesture at all. Maybe I'm too cynical for that. But I feel like I'm also... Uh, I don't know. I've been around long enough to see your patterns wise. of these. I am wise to the world. Not incredible. Like I've gone to bad movies before that I thought... I don't know what I was thinking. But I've made some bad decisions... But this one, I feel like, is really clear. Uh, I don't think Marvel... If Marvel had the best interests of their consumers in mind, we wouldn't have a company filled with imposters as, like headlining all their comic books. I, I think that this is at least a good... Or at least a good sign that Marvel hears their fans. They changed course. So maybe if the fans are 
equally as vocal about the things that we dislike. It it seems like this is a sign that they will listen to us fans. So I don't know what good, you know, kicking Marvel while it's is it down? Maybe it's down. I don't, I don't know. know. I don't I'm, know what good it does us to sit here and be like, well, you should have fucking never did it in the first place. At least they changed it around. Yeah, I mean, yeah, at least they did. But, you know, I was ready to just, if that's the way they were going to be, I was just going to buy digital versions. Well, their comics are crap now, so it almost doesn't have any effect on my wallet. True, but, but like, um, I did want to ask that, that Summit thing that they had with all the, the retailers, uh-huh. did they say anything about correcting their terrible books or is that going to stay status quo i think that there was a mention that they were looking they were possibly looking to restoring some of the heroes that we actually like Mm -hmm. Um, but i think that probably is all built in anyway Mm -hmm. with the flow of the avengers movies and it's all built against the back of the movies whatever is on the silver screen Mm -hmm. is what we're going to see in the comic book store Okay. For for you know, like when that hits the screen, that's when we'll get the revert to you know Peter Parker maybe being the main headlining Spider-Man character. That'd be maybe we even get like teenage Spider-Man. Who knows? So, with that Xbox analogy, that kind of rolls into uh, very briefly um, something that I thought was kind of interesting. As we all know, we can get Comicsology and look at digital comics on our computers or our phones and our our iPads but now IDW has created an app for Xbox One where you can you can actually view their entire catalog of comics which I think is like 4000 comics on Xbox. I don't know exactly how it works. Yeah. Like if it is a guided view kind of thing, which I'm assuming to some degree it is. It's probably not quite as slick. Do you remember Dark Horse's version of it? Oh, it's how, so clunky. It was clunky, but like it was kind of the same thing. It I just remember hearing about that. It was a shitty version of it. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm guessing that's probably what you're going to get, but maybe it's a totally different experience because you've got a controller. It's a little bit different. You're further away. So it's got to be like isolating panels and everything. I don't understand how Dark Horse's guided view was so bad whenever there was a clear example of how to do it the right way through Comixology. I think Comixology's version of it, though, required more like development. The way that they isolated panels and like and masked out the rest of the and then like where would would scroll to a certain part of the panel and then blow it zoom up in, and zoom right. out, zoom in zoom out yeah whereas the D, the dark horse version just kind of like panned around on the page yeah it was and it did it in a less smooth manner as well but uh, i don't know what to expect from the idw thing but here's one of the cooler things they're actually offering like 10 free comics the first month and, and they're, they're uh, trade paperbacks. So That's pretty cool. I'll list them real quick. You can get TMNT, Volume 1, Lock and Key, Volume 1, uh, Dave, with a 4 is the A, uh, Star Trek, Volume 1, Ghostbusters, Volume 1, Gem, Volume 1, Fe- Fear and Loathing, doesn't say Volume 1, but Transformers R.I.D., Volume 1, Transformers M-T-M-T-E, what is it, Matt? More than M-C-I. Okay. Uh, and then Judge Dread Volume 1. So some good stuff in there, especially if you're a fan of the 80s, apparently. Paul, what are your thoughts on uh, Xbox comic book reading? 
I feel like there's got to be a more efficient way to read your comic books, a more comfortable way to read your comic books. Then on your couch? Then on your TV? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I'm uh, I'm sitting, what, like 15 feet away from this TV now? Yeah. And, like, how comfortable do you think reading a comic book is going to be from 15 feet away? And I feel like this is pretty standard television distance. Yeah, I would agree, but what I was saying is if they isolate a panel. Um, if you if you fill the so TV with one panel, Paul. Yeah. Suddenly it doesn't feel as like overwhelming. Like you could read the word balloons on one panel. Yeah, on, but it's not going to 5-inch television. But it I I don't know. I I I feel like um like I appreciate IDW for making this effort. Uh, you know, anything to get people reading the medium, like mm-hmm. however it's happening digitally, whether it's on, you know, you know, printed paper or on your iPad, on through your Xbox. I appreciate that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, maybe this is just my old manliness coming out, but it just seems awkward Emphasis to on watch the manliness. It. Well, probably de-emphasis on manliness. But it just seems like awkward, like flipping through, like even like a good guided view, like Marvel has or Comicsology yeah. has. Um, going through it on your TV just seems like I don't know. I mean, but here's may, the thing: it, it seems awkward. But this may be because I I am completely familiar with reading a comic book, you know, half a foot from my face, right. like you would any book, right? So, like, scrolling through with my Xbox controller, you know, 15 feet away. But what if it's not just scrolling through? What if there's some motion to it? You know, what if there's some actual, I don't know, effects and sounds and things like that that really enhance the whole thing? And it's not just, uh, you know, the the illustrated page on your TV. I mean, because if that's the case, I really don't see it catching on. It kind of reminds me of, like using the internet on your television like nobody does that mm, i don't know man well i, I don't you I, do you do web browsing on your i do what i do is uh, i have apple tv and i have a lot of apple devices and yeah. i do a lot of flinging to my tv if i've if i'm going through and i have my phone and there's a trailer i want to see i yeah. fling it to my tv no but certain... i mean web browsing like going to a website you're never oh, like no. like I news need, i need the phone com. I need the phone number for this place. I'm going to go on my TV and exactly. find this phone number. No, I don't do that. Right, that's what I meant. Yeah, like I think everybody throws shit on their TV. Like, Paul, you might watch a QuickTime video or something, put it on your TV. I can't. I don't. I, I can't do that unless there's porno on Netflix. I can't watch it on my TV. Gotcha. I fling stuff all the time. I watch complete internet broadcast shows. From my phone, flung to my TV. So I think well, it's. What do you have that enables Apple, that? Just Apple, Apple TV. TV. Yeah. I think it's kind of cool that that IDW is the first company that's bringing an app to uh, to a video game system. I feel like your video game fan and your comic book fan like seems like a natural kind of fit. Uh, I don't hopefully, think it does. What? I don't think that is a natural fit. I feel like the the Today's video game fan would find 
the comic book lesser? Um, may I don't know. Maybe. I mean, I think that there's probably some similar overlap there, more so than you might get with like your your NFL fan and comic book fan. Yeah, well, yeah, absolutely, because there's a lot of comic like, books and video games. We see yeah. it every single time we go to a convention. We see right. the overlap. Right. Yeah, but like, how successful is like the Mass Effect comic? No, well, I mean successful like, enough that they keep doing series about it. Do they? Yeah. No, none of us read it. Well, they do. There's been several Mass Effect series. Yeah, but there's like there's tons of video you know, game people don't need tons video of IP game comic book properties out. But there. they don't need that. Like they can also be fans of Batman. You right. know, all those people that played Arkham probably are also comic book fans to some degree. I think they're Batman fans. They're Batman universe fans to some degree. You, you I think, think there's, there's a lot a- of Arkham fans out there that, you know, you could give a Batman comic book quiz to and that'd fail spectacularly. Right, because we're in the game of giving quizzes to people, to <laughs> fandoms. I know you are, but the general masses aren't. It's just an example. Like I, I just don't think there's that much crossover between video game fans to comic book fans. I think that you're being silly that you don't see every single time we go to convention the crossover. Yeah, that's a completely different thing. I feel like the video game crossover to comic convention crossover is this is a venue that lets me dress up as any weirdo thing I want to be. But there's not like... I mean, no one's, there aren't complete tables of, hey, get your Destiny books over here. Like, there's not, like... No, but people have Destiny prints. You know, people have Destiny items. People know what Destiny is. Destiny prints, Destiny items, like Destiny backpacks, Destiny badges. Like, no one's like, oh my god, I need that last Destiny issue. Oh, did you have, do you have, like, the, do you have Destiny number one? Like, this is a weird place that you're going with the crossover that I don't think that me and Matt are talking about. I feel like there's an absolute brand crossover like people fans of mass effect and destiny you know they want they want products but i don't think they want the comic books well that's not what anybody's talking about we're talking about already established comic book company no that placing its ip not gaming related on a gaming system right that is what we're talking about we're talking about comic books well that's specifically what, that's what me and matt are talking about i don't know what you're talking yeah, about we're, we're talking about the video game community being interested in reading a comic book right and i'm, I'm not say- talking about oh i want a print or a button like now i'm gonna read a destiny comic book that's what i'm talking about no, no, i don't no, no, think no, there's the, a the lot same, of one what i'm saying is a the, comic book digitally or otherwise the same person that's dressing up as a destiny person may or probably has an idea and might have a passion for comic books in general. That's or, great. You can't get IDW's Xbox digital comic at a convention. I don't I don't I don't even know. I what don't we're think ta- I don't know what like, you're talking about. This is great. About. I, I love, really don't know what you're I talking about. I love that about. IDW wants to promote comic books digitally on Xbox. I don't think I think there's I don't think they're going to get any kind of markup from video game players on to read the comics that are available to them on the video game system. People might use it. Like there, there is this, if you're marketing to an audience 
that you think is untapped and might use it, this is a good way to do it. I agree. I think this is a good venture by them. I think after a couple years, they're going to be like, uh, we're not making any profit out of this. Let's fold it. I don't think it's going to be profitable. I think it's great for them to try out. You know, it's it's a great way to get the get the product out there, but I don't think it's going to work. It probably isn't going to cost them very much money, so I don't see them folding it anytime soon. Like if they put it out there, it's all it's all front loaded. All their cost is probably paid for by the subscriptions. Like I don't know, Matt. Yeah, it seems like a kind of a low risk, high reward potential, high reward right. kind of thing. It just seems to me like the the video game the video gamer might be a little bit kind of unfamiliar with comics, but they seem like the kind of people that would enjoy comics. And this is a good way to give them that taste. And if they do like it, cause they're getting 10 free freaking trade paperbacks. If there's something that they like in there after trying something for free, which if it's marketed well on the Xbox, like user interface, people will download it and try it if they're getting free comics and, Maybe one of those books will grab them and like lock and key. Maybe they'll read like, you know, one page and like, that's kind of good and read another one. Next thing you know, they go to a comic book store. Like, I think that that your video game player is so much more likely to become a comic book fan than basically any other demographic. It's it's not like they're going to the like horse racing conventions or, or, or gardening conventions, like video game players. There's, there's obviously overlap people that like fiction and crazy stories. And to suggest otherwise is kind of dumb. I'm not suggesting otherwise. I thought you were. No, I, I agree. Was he suggesting otherwise no, a second ago. I had... wasn't. I agree. It one... felt like it. No, I agree 100% with that. Because it's all the same shit. It's the same nerdy ass mythology, this made up fucking fantasy shit, whether it's killing monsters in space or, you know, fighting superhero super super villains on Earth. It's all the same fucking dorky garbage. So yeah, it is the exact same market. Right. So I swear you were just fighting against no, no. Okay. The my there was a misunderstanding. So we all agree. Do we my, want to move on? My point, no. My my point is that I don't think like I don't think it's going to do very well. Yeah, even if even if the entry cost is low for IDW, like I don't I don't think that they're going to get a lot of profitability after this. Probably not. I would imagine if you go to buy an IDW comic, you're not likely, you're not most likely to do it on your TV. You'd still probably be, if you're going to do it digitally, do it on your iPad or computer or whatever. It would be really cool if the book that you buy on your iPad also can play on the super easy thing for them to link up to. And this this is another part of like my argument is that like, what's the biggest video game out right now? Call of Duty. So, IDW... I don't, know, I don't know why you're trying to make this argument. This isn't ID, anything that we're trying right, look, to put look, forward. Any of, any, of the biggest, any of the biggest video games that have been out there in the last five years. IDW doesn't have any of those IPs. It it's not matter, like you're going to be able to play matter. Destiny and buy the Destiny comic. They're not banking on it. them trying to read a Destiny book. That's not any of the points that any of us are making tonight, man. At all. I don't know why you keep going back to that. That's not the point that anybody's fucking making. I, I get what you're saying. 
but I think that it's most important. So you want, but like, I'm sorry, Matt. Ian, so you want like video, hardcore video gamers that only do video games to just roll the dice on lock and key. If no, 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 free, no, no. They might be interested. Also, first of all, hardcore video gamers, that's really reductive of the people that play video games to say yeah. that they would never fucking... That's because you're an asshole and you don't fucking know it, that because you have tunnel vision and you don't think that other people might have an idea of what else is out there. You think that a video gamer might not be interested in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles or fucking Transformers. They might be. I'm in full support of that statement. Yeah, I'm an asshole that looks down on the video game community. Right, and that's why this conversation is going nowhere, because you're being a fucking idiot about it. How about that It trailer, you guys? <laughs> no, I, I, I agree with Matt. It's a, it's a, it's a low-risk, high-reward venture for, for, um, uh, for IDW. Xbox. For IDW. And for both Xbox. parties. If they get, you know, if they get some... Buyers, great. That's Paul, awesome. They're, they're but giving you, they're giving you ten free things yeah, to it's, try. It's, it's awesome. Like I, I said that at the very beginning. I'm not against this. I'm all for it. And not only I that, just don't. It's it, one of they're the, not going to be able to fucking bankroll their next the year of that, sales after this. Let's not lose sight of the fact that they could potentially alter the way that we view a comic book, given like. Maybe there's uh, some kind of interactive nature with a controller or something. I don't know. I don't know if it's just going to be. What are you? Why? Why are you smiling? Hey, we don't do that. <laughs> yeah, I'm doing it. Why are you smiling? You're just sitting there smiling. What? Because I think that's absurd. Why is that absurd? Do you what? really think the Xbox is going to alter like permanently the way we read comic books? I didn't. I said it. Could you did. Sh- you did. No, I he said could. Could and I right. didn't. And okay. I didn't mean, Do you think they could? And I didn't necessarily mean this is going to be the new defining way that a comic book is consumed, but they could change it. Look, yeah. Do you really think they could change it? Yeah, dumbass. Because there have been fucking motion comic books. Are you that yeah. dumb? And, and and no one is like, oh my god, did you look at this motion comic book? No one really yeah, reads motion. Time out. Comic. Lots of people have abandoned the regular print comic books for ipad apps that that's happened like yeah lots of people do that so it's not inconceivable that something new could roll along and change it and us being the narrow-minded people that we are not see it coming to think that there's never going to be innovation ever 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 in the medium is well ian said it. it's tunnel vision yeah, I don't. Everybody I don't direct think your hate to get underscore. <laughs> do it. I don't do it. Like him, bl- blow me up. I don't. I don't think. Please this blow. Is it. Please I think, let us all know. If, I think if I'm being what, unreasonable, what we, if Matt's being unreasonable, or if Paul's being unreasonable, I really want to know if I'm crazy or not. So I'd like feedback let's, on this. Let's episode. revisit this next next April April third. And we're going to be like, oh, yeah, we wasted a half hour on this that went nowhere. I don't think that Matt's point or my point is that this is a definite revolution. It's that there are interesting aspects of it. Yeah, and, and I agree. It's a good idea. On it like, and put, it's get, get the medium out there as much as possible. Like the artwork, the writing, you know, the, the serial storytelling. Think get of it, it out there. I'm, I'm all like, in favor of that. Paul, think of it like Free Comic Book Day. I think it's a good thing for the industry. 
But guess what? You're catering to people that already go into comic book stores. This is catering to a demographic of people that might not be buying comics otherwise, that gives them a taste that might get them to go to a comic book store or check out a Marvel comic or, God forbid, or a DC comic or an Image comic. Yeah, I'm all in favor of that. Okay. I just don't think it's going to be as highly profitable as IDW or you guys may think. I don't think it's going to be revolutionary. I think in a year, I think we just clarified we're we didn't necessarily this. think it would be. It's got potential, um, but I mean, it's not going to. IDW isn't going to change comics, but it could. You know, who knows? Maybe Marvel will, will do it next or DC. Fuck, fuck could should. What do you think? Fuck you know, giving yourself a buffer with this argument. I don't think it will. I think in a year, this will be forgotten. Don't say could or should. Do in you a, think this is going to matter? In a year, the IDW uh, comic book app will not only be on the fucking Xbox, it'll be on PlayStation, maybe even the Switch, and there will be other companies alongside of it. Yes. There. Definitive statements. I love it. I don't know if it's going to turn these companies into like. You know, double their profits or something, but okay, it's not going to do that. I'll, I'll say but, this: I think that IDW's profits will be better this time next year. So mark it down, McSauce fans. I didn't say by how much because this entire time, Matt and I's conversation isn't about the revolution or hot like making their their buck or changing their financial fortunes. Like, it's none of that. It's just like, hey, this is interesting. You're like, it's not going to fucking change the world. Don't fucking do it, you fucking <laughs> video game nerds. That's what you're saying. <laughs> They're dorks anyway. Who gives a shit I've, about them? Fuck them all to hell. I've said, uh, no, I've, I've said what I meant about it. That's not it. <laughs> I mean, it was pretty close. It's not. It's not close. I'm on the same page with you guys. Any market that's going to no, get you're not. the com, the com, yeah. Any anyway. any way that I'm not. No, I you, fucking agree with you, assholes. You I'm glad they're and doing this. I just don't agree. think it's going to make a big bump in anything. Anybody but, um, that's any, listening out any there, way to please get the respond comic book. to us and let us know. At this point, do you think that Paul agreed with me and Matt or disagreed? <laughs> That's all. Agree. Just message. Agree or disagree. Hashtag agree. Hashtag agree. Hashtag, hashtag agree. disagree. Okay, can so we please agree? Okay, let's agree on something. That it trailer was really something else. It was fucking stupid. I hated it. Next. Well, that would be in the the whole spirit of what you're doing tonight. So, Paul, the it book by Stephen King, as it's known. Or just it by Stephen King. I don't think most people say the it book. The it um, book. It, it's a that fucking, sounds like a Doctor Seuss book. It's right. a terrible fucking book title because <laughs> you book. can't you can't comfortably say it and people just know. You always have to enunciate it or Stephen say like King's Stephen it. King's. Paul, what it. are you reading? It. It. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, like, what? What's what? The book. It. Oh well, that fucking sucks. There's so many hard. Paul, I understand that this this book, this it book by Stephen King, yeah. God is, damn it, Stephen King is like your favorite book ever. It is, huh? It is. It is. It is. Why is it, it your favorite? Is why is it it your favorite book? 
In a lot Ever. of ways, it carries the same tenets of Power Rangers. <laughs> <laughs> you fuck! I didn't think you were going to do that. And that's going to wrap it up for us tonight. <laughs> it is a it is a team of unlikely friends that come together and become to a f- giant robot to fight. It's it's not about the Power Rangers. Isn't about the giant robots or the martial arts. Power Rangers is about friendship and teamwork and sacrifice and that's isn't, what it is about isn't it that is what a, john cena is about too no he's like uh, you he can't, can't see, me. see yeah you can't see him which yeah it's like invisibility okay why that why why john cena what reference am i missing i don't know wrestlemania last night well I, yeah i know that but this reference seems i don't know like like uh what was it dependability and 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 does he do hard work stuff? I don't know. I thought those were his tenants. I don't know. know. Is that Kurt Angle? Uh, Hulkster? You're asking the the Hardy Boys? I don't know. We're shitting all over wrestling. I don't know. I'm sorry, Grimace. (laughs) Sorry, case in point. Yeah, I I love I love it. Um the the, I love the book. (laughs) Fucking damn it. The book it it's fucking it's brilliant. Do you guys remember Book It? Can I, I just segue books. for just a second? No, we don't. You don't remember Book It? I don't. Okay. I don't remember Book It. Book It was this thing at Pizza Hut where like if you read a book, I believe you got like a button or something at Pizza Hut really? that said Book It and it was kind of this incentive to get kids reading and continuing to read. Paul, am I missing an aspect of Book It? No, that's, that it was just for that's buttons. A- it was reading for buttons. Yeah, there wasn't. You, you didn't a get a million dollars or anything. Right. It, but I'll tell you what, man. I wanted a button, but I don't remember finishing a book. <laughs> Some things never change, Paul. That, that sounds like a bad thing. So <clears throat> the, the trailer of the film, It, came out last week. Do we, were, were you guys, did you guys make an appointment to view this? Because I did. When I saw it on social media, I... I quickly well, went to my as, my Apple device. As you know, Ian and dear listeners, Paul and I work together, and uh, and I saw the trailer had had dropped, and I was pretty excited, and I knew Paul would be excited, and I went up to him, and he was very busy at work with you know various projects and things, and I was like, hey, guess what? They just they just dropped the it trailer. We should watch. He's like, oh, I'll check it out later. I was like, who are you? Very dismissive. Yeah, it was Much kind of Much in line with his personality tonight. Right, right. I was like, are you kidding me? I totally thought we'd be watching this together. I was like, all right, I'm going to go watch it and have fun watching it on your own time. Within like three minutes, he's over at my desk <laughs> and we end up watching it together. For the second time. Oh. Was that the second time? Did I watch it the first time without you? Yeah, I also watched it the first time without you. Okay. Uh, but... But then we started doing the frame by frame thing. You nerds. A little <laughs> bit, yeah. But higher class nerd than those fucking it, video game nerds. But you know what? It was so good that we were forced to go frame by frame. This looks so good. Can I'm just I'm so excited. I'm skipping to I want to tell you something. Outside of Star Wars, this is the movie Ooh. I am most looking forward to. Look out now. Certainly more excited for it than Han Solo. Does that yeah. come out this year? No, next year. But I mean, I agree. I'm definitely more excited for it than Han Solo. Yeah. It's really high up there. I mean, it it 
lot of lot of the freaky stuff that scares me. A lot of things lurking yeah. in the mm-hmm. in the shadows and there's slowly not, creeping around. Ian, there's not enough good scary movies. There just aren't. You know, they're they're all like these low budget pieces of crap that, um, like, like Paranormal Activity. Those movies. Okay, I've never seen one, but don't tell anyone. They look really bad. You've never they, seen any of them? No, I haven't. But they don't look like my kind of horror movie. Yeah, my I don't ki- think you would like. I've seen the first one, and it's not you very know, scary. I can appreciate a nice found footage kind of movie. Usually, I don't like it, but I can deal with it. Like, I thought that The Visit, which is found footage style, M. Night Shyamalan's with the grandparents that are crazy. Oh, okay. Did you see that? I have not seen that. Ian, no. sharply, you should see I know, it. I know, I know. Because it's pretty good. I'll make time for it. Low budget, but still pretty good. But from like this It movie, you have the It book and now you have the It, it movie. movie. And the It miniseries, television miniseries. From, from the It miniseries. The it historic sounds like you're saying the It hit miniseries. Si- um, do you, did you remember or did you watch the miniseries? I did. Yeah, yeah I did. And I liked it and it was scary at the time. But this looks like it's just taking everything from that because I never read the book, but it's just cranking it up. It's adding that cinematic kind of style to it. Uh, I do think when when little Georgie hits his head off of the uh, the roadblock, that there's a little too much echo to it. It felt like well, little Georgie's head is full of nothing. So. <laughs> is that what it is? Yeah, that that's, that was the echo that you heard rattling in his head, but. Uh, I actually saw a YouTube video where they did like a shot by shot comparison from the miniseries versus the, the trailer. And, and it really emphasizes actually how good the miniseries was from like a kind of a shot, like a cinematic style, because I was so impressed with the trailer of the, of the new one. But, uh, I don't think I'm going to watch the miniseries. I haven't seen it in years and years and years, but I don't want to spoil anything. I forget enough of it that it's going to be fresh. So I'm really happy and excited about that. I listened to the audiobook maybe 2 years ago, so I still remember. Yeah. The... Is it good? Is the audiobook good? Dude, I couldn't listen to it at night because of the image that pops up on Pennywise the Clown is on my phone at in the evening and it scared oh, me too fucking Mary. bad. I know, right? Is it is it a good reader? You know how like sometimes audiobooks are made or break Yeah. I want to say make or break but in past tense and it doesn't really work like made or breaked? Broke? Made or broken. How about that? Yeah, but I want to say make or break but as if it happened. Uh You know how the, readers the- can sometimes like Break or make? Break or make. Make or break. You didn't have to reverse it. Can make or break your your listening pleasure? Uh, this reader was okay, average, mm-hmm. um, but the story uh, is so impactful that mm-hmm. it's what really carries it. The Dark Tower series has a really great voice actor. Is it the same uh, reader it, for all books? It's the same reader for... The majority of the books, I think in the middle, they get somebody different. Why does that happen? It's very noticeable. Don't do that. Yeah. and the, Well, the Dark Tower series was recorded over a long period of time and written over decades. So, I mean, somewhere in there, I don't know why they would change up the voice actor. Well, anyway, this It book 
is so good, apparently, according to our co-host, Paul. Oh, there he is. Paul. Yeah, Matt. Why is this such a good story? Um, I love the friendship aspect of it. Um, I Do love th- the way that it's, it's about eight kids in the 50s who all come together under uh, various circumstances, have to fight off not only like the local the local bullies, but also a killer monster that's living in their town. Mm-hmm. And then they kill it. Mm-hmm. Spoilers. They think they kill it, mm-hmm. and then you know, 30 years later it comes back. Now, d- does that friendship aspect hold up in the second half as well as it was in the first half? It does in the book, and it does in the original miniseries because they're both interwoven together. Mm-hmm. You get, um, you know, the way Stephen King writes it, you get, it's written expertly. You know, uh, the way you get certain bits and pieces of the the original book is, it takes the, when they're kids, you know, they're like, I guess they're around 12 years old. It takes place in the 50s. And then they're, you know, 30 years later in the 80s. Mm-hmm. And you get specific beats of the story that take place, you know, something in the 50s that correlates to something that happens in the 80s. And it all works so well together that, um, like, the entire story feels so complete that you get a sense of what these kids went through as children. And then they all grow up, they all split off to different places but they all have the same bond 30 years later. Are we, okay, Ian. And that's that's a issue I have with this movie is that it looks like part one's going to be the kid years. And is there a part two? There's like, got to be the sequel. I feel like there has to be. And it looks like it part looks like one is just... going to be in the 80s. If you look at the way that the cars are, right. those are 70s, 80s era cars. Some of the technology, some of the bikes that they're riding, yeah, and that, and those that, all look like 80s. And that's fine. Like That actually plays into some of the elements that that I, I feel like that the book It birthed things like Stranger Things and that whole... And and this is sort of like in a roundabout way playing off of Stranger Things as well. Yeah, even though it's, it's just, the source material. It's just you know it's what not I mean? even playing like, off of that. It's, it's just like modernizing it so that you know the 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 kids' story takes place in the eighties. You know, it's like you know just taking the new Star Wars trilogy thirty years into the future. I th- I know? think it gives for people that are unfamiliar, it gives them that vibe. Like that's the vibe that they're going for. Oh, and it looks super eighties. They got ugly yeah. ugly children to play the kids. You know, because the eighties had so many ugly children. Synonymous <laughs> they, with ugly. They children. fucking did. And then at some point, it was you know everyone came out of the fucking Disney Channel machine, where every kid was just a fucking super hot little kid, and but kids in the eighties were ugly. That's true. You know, uh, uh, Richard, I was gonna say Richard Thomas, but that's not his name. The kid that played Elliot in ET, he was goofy looking. It's true. Drew Barrymore, however, pretty kid, cute kid, cute kid. Uh, but yeah, like, uh, like I'm uncomfortable it, it feels, that I said pretty kid, cute kid. It, fe- <laughs> it feels it feels very eighties, and them making you know making the change from eighties to you know twenty teens, like 
It just it just makes sense. It sets it. In, I think in it's going to be organic. It'll be fun. And I meant to look up if there is a definitive part two. There has to but be, right? I feel like. I yeah, I'd feel like there has to be. But how hard is that going to be? If how hard is it going to be to make a successful part two if you hook in everybody in part one and then no one from part one is in it for part two? Um, like you'd have to bring in like Ryan Gosling to be Bill Denbro to really bring in like some name and some quality value to the second half to make it as popular as the first half may have been because this first half like you know if if they only do the children's half in the first movie it looks really fucking good there's parts there's parts in this trailer from the book that they're adding that weren't in the first mini series and that I, I love just seeing them. I love, you know, seeing the old broken down house. I love seeing um, the club that uh, the black kid goes to that burned down. I forget what what that was. <clears throat> Do you really think that they wouldn't be able to carry uh, that uh, a sequel to this film, whatever it does at the box office, that it wouldn't be able to just carry on the fact that it was it and right that it was successful and it was creepy this is going now, i don't be... think that it needs like any more like name like there aren't really any names in this film i don't well, think you'll require names there weren't in none of the kids in stranger things were either but i feel like there would be a pretty big disconnect if you're like stranger things too Everyone that you love from the first season, gone. But 30 years later, they're all adults. What do you think? Like, I don't think it's going to be... I don't think it would be as successful because of that big disconnect. But if you're intertwining both stories, if you're filming them all together, and you're you're breaking up, you know, right. you know, 80s now, 80s now, you're getting... Like, you see someone like... You see Ryan Gosling as Bill Denbrough... <laughs> next to the kid that plays him in the past, you get the connection. So then by the time you get to the sequel, you're already familiar with the actors, the characters, the world, who they are. Like I feel like doing kids, adults, is a pretty big jump. I get what you're saying, but I think that audiences now, especially the way that we take in media the way that we do we're a little more sophisticated than we were back in the 80s when the original miniseries was i understand what you're saying i think that it's probably a smarter way if you would film it all in one big chunk and you would interweave um the actors much like the story i get it but it doesn't seem like they're doing it that I, way but I, I think that they're still going to be able to pull it off i want to say that i'm very glad that they're not interweaving any present day stuff with the with the eighties stuff because that takes away the tension. If I see any characters that are still alive as their older self versus anything that we see in that takes place in the eighties, it takes a lot of the fear away, like, oh, is that character gonna make it or not? You know, it takes a lot of the suspense away. That's why one of the reasons why some of the Star Wars prequels weren't that great, because we knew how they were gonna end, basically. Um so I'm actually really glad. I'm fine with them doing the full jump to adults. I think we'll be able to hit the ground running. This is going to be a huge movie. 
this already set records for like the most viewed trailer like ever in 24 hours. The movie's going to do great. It's going to be huge. There will definitely, definitely be a sequel. The only thing that has me baffled is why hasn't that been announced yet? Yeah, you would think that they would have already like lassoed their horse to a dying town, so it would have been okay. <laughs> this trailer looks it looks amazing. Like <clears throat> you know, I, I love the book to death, except for the end, which is a train wreck. Spoiler. Don't don't knows, say anything. But else. who don't knows? Maybe they'll change it because it, right. who knows? Right, they, they could, could I love I love the mini <laughs> I love the, the mini series. Um and also a train wreck. Yes, it's bad. Go watch so it. Maybe it's, it's, be, still, it's still worth it. Uh, because a lot of fans have said that the ending is not good, maybe they will tweak it. Uh, right. Um, and, um, oh my God, why can't I think his name? Uh, Curry, Pennywise. Tim Curry. Tim Curry. Oh my God, how fucking terrifying. In that in that 80s series. And it, it's, it's not just, it's it's not just the makeup. I think it was from it 1990. Right. It's from 90. Um, he's so, he's just so charismatic and good and just so creepy. Um, like, I don't, you don't get to Is see a whole lot of... Is it charisma whenever you shit your pants? Is that charisma? <laughs> or what's the, what's fearisma? Name? I feel like Scars- it's charisma. William Skarsgård? William Bill. Um, Little Billy. Yeah. Like, I don't, uh, so far, like, we don't get to see a lot of dialogue, but like, Tim Curry's got a lot of a lot of speaking parts in, in, in the miniseries. And Pennywise has a lot of speaking parts. Yeah, Pennywise parts talks a whole lot. Book. So, um, so like, I don't know how, how that's going to play out. But so far, this trailer looks fucking terrifying. And it, it looks terrifying, but it also looks satisfying. Because, like, a big part of the, its story is the town of Derry. And mm-hmm. a lot of it has to do with geography. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, reading that book kind of have to get a feel of where things are laid out, you know, where the canal is, you know, where the the hill at the end is. Like, you get a sense of where all these different places are. And one of the main things in the trailer is they open up on an aerial shot of Derry. And it kind, kind of lends itself to, like, it's saying this is, like, this town's important. Like, what you're seeing here, like, this all plays in to what we're going to need later yeah. on. Um, you get to see some nods to previous stuff, you know, like the murder of Patrick Hockstetter that I don't think they'll get into. I don't think they'll touch all the Adrian Mellon stuff. Um, you know, the the original story takes place in the fifties, mm-hmm. uh, but there's a there's an eighties section that they jump to in the book where you know Adrian Mellon and Adrian Mellon gets killed, and you know there's a lot of lore of Pennywise and it throughout the years like he's been around forever and I, I think they're going to cut a lot of that stuff but there's a lot of little nods like the Patrick Hockstetter poster that for like big fans of the book like that got me fucking yeah that was juiced. pretty cool when I, I saw, saw that, that I was like fuck yeah yes Um, they didn't give uh, right before we started talking something that I didn't realize I appreciated until we saw this trailer was the kid that plays Bill Denbro doesn't have a Boston accent. And I didn't realize Richard Thomas, or uh, not Richard Thomas, um, Jonathan Brandis, 
put on a Boston accent when he was Bill Denbrough in the original series. He's like, ah, come on, Georgie. And it's it lends itself to like the atmosphere of the story because the whole thing takes place in Derry, Maine. Everybody talks like that. It's like when the new Spider-Man talks like he's from New York. Like it just adds a little bit of uh, authenticity, local but it, flavor. But That's, I didn't. That hear, explains our Boston accents from the beginning of this pod, by the way. And I'm sure by the time you, you're in this movie, uh, Bill Denbro is gonna have the stutter because it's such a huge crux of yeah. his story in the book. Um, like the bit where Georgie, Bill sees Georgie in the sewer. And he says, like, you're going to float down here. And then he starts screaming. Like, even before Pennywise comes out of the water, that part's terrifying. Yeah. I feel like the um, his face kind of changed, like, a little bit. I mean, I'm sure it's just, like, the like me being scared. <laughs> but, like, <laughs> like he yeah. was just screaming, uh, you're going to float, too. And I, I, I feel like coming in with such a critical eye that it's, um, they're, they've lived up to it so far. Like, this trailer looks really it looks great fucking cool and like they're adding they're adding a lot of stuff that was taken out of the mini series uh you know they're putting a lot like it seems like they're putting a lot of the original story back in um like the mike hanlon at the black spot like Mm -hmm. i'm excited to see see that stuff if they're gonna do the big crow or not like i'm pretty amped about this movie yeah uh this trailer sold me on a lot of stuff I watched it, I was scared out of my mind, and I turned over to my wife, and she was like, yeah, it looks kind of stupid. Okay, Paul, real quick, let's do some uh, some McSauce polynomics. Oh, boy. Um, uh, excitement. Excitement, I'm going to put it in eight. And... Um, I'm gonna put an expectation in an eight too. I'm gonna do crazy eights. Like you know, I, I I think I think this movie's got potential, and I'm pretty excited about it based on based on this long trailer. I'm pretty excited. I'm gonna give my excitement a full nine. Woohoo! I'm gonna give a my nine. I'm gonna give my expectation an eight. You know, I'm sure there will be something that comes in. Uh, being a fan of the book, that I'm like, eh, I didn't like that. Or- so, nine and an eight. Matt? I love horror movies, and I feel like there aren't enough good ones. Uh, this, though, feels like a long time coming, and it, it looks like it's going to be worth the wait. It looks great. I'm well, it, it, feels, it feels like a story that's about the story. Like, all these new movies coming out, like, It Follows and unfriend me or whatever right, it's like, like a gimmick to it right yeah oh I've, I've got an idea what if someone kills you through facebook let's write a story around it but it is from a huge book that's like let's write a story about these kids that are getting chased by a monster yep different kind of quality agreed so like i was saying <laughs> uh Excitement. I'm a 10 for excitement. <laughs> this it is just a, keeps climbing. This is a, a midnight and especially a midnight because I want to have to like walk from my car to my house. And and you know what else, Ian? You're coming with me. No, I know. I was gonna say this is a McSauce field trip. This is a this is a midnight show. Take off work the next day kind of movie. Because we're going, because I'm excited to attend. Pack your diapers because you're going to poop your pants. 
if they do a midnight thing. Maybe they'll do a 10 o'clock thing. That might be slightly less scary. It seems like it's going to be pretty big. I don't know, but I might be sleeping over somebody's house that night. (laughs) I can't wait. It's going to be great. Uh, I'm going to say a nine for expectations. You know, it might not be the the 10 that I'm hoping for, but nine's pretty fucking high, Paul. I feel like that. I mean, that you're just setting yourself up for disappointment. You know what? Because rolling those numbers so high. Just, just, you know what? Did I say shit about your crazy eights? No, because eight is reasonable. Nine out of ten? Why the fuck not? Why not? What did you see that you were like, oh, I don't know, this doesn't look very good? Like it was nothing but awesomeness. So shut up. Yeah, it looks great. Looks great. Maybe my expectation, maybe my excitement should be a nine, but my expectation is still an eight. Okay, that's fine. Like I, I feel like maybe they, maybe they may not deliver on some. I'm stuff. pretty fucking excited. But I'm excited. I'm pretty freaking excited. That's gonna do it for us tonight. My name's Paul McGinty. Ian Sharp. Matt Casal. We'll see you next time. Georgie. Aren't you going to say hello?